Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey everybody, it's Marty Griffin and you are listening to the Golf Strategy School Podcast. This week's episode, as always, is brought to you by Superspeed Golf. Don't forget, join the giveaway. We This is your last chance, practically, to join the giveaway. Go to golfstrategyschool.com slash giveaway to learn all about the giveaway sponsored by Superspeed Golf so you can help add some distance to your game. Now... Today's episode, we are going to talk about four important steps to help you stop hitting behind the ball. Let's get to it. Do you love to play golf? Do you wish you could be a more consistent and confident player? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Golf Strategy School podcast, where we discuss specific practice strategies used by some of the best golf instructors from around the world. Here's your host, Marty Griffin. All right, so today's topic is fat shots, hitting behind the ball, kind of inconsistent contact in general. Now, as an amateur golfer, it's something that I struggled with for a long time, especially when I was learning. So for you higher handicap golfers, this is something that can really kind of instill fear into shots. I know that when I had longer clubs in my hand, longer irons, that I struggled with this fear of these longer shots because I knew the longer club gave me a better chance of hitting a shot heavy or hitting a shot fat. So these four tips are really fairly simple and they're not too bad to practice next time you're on the range. So tip one, we're talking about weight transfer. You know, a lot of times I see people, they're like, they're trying to get the most out of their swing. They're trying to really crush a shot and they get so much of their weight on their back foot that they can't recover and they can't actually turn through the ball. So weight transfer has to happen in terms of coming back and then going forward. Just don't, don't overdo it. Uh, Because as an amateur golfer who's struggling with contact, you really need to work on crisp, solid contact first before we start doing any drastic weight transfers. You know, it gets coming back a little bit, but I just don't want to see 90, 95% of your weight winding up on your back foot as a person who's struggling to break 90 or 100. Because in all likelihood, what you've done is you have put too much weight on the backside and you won't be able to get it back forward, which means you have moved the low point of your swing from the ball, which it was at setup, to now a good three, four inches behind the ball. So that leads us to our 
second tip, and it plays into the weight transfer, and that is to rotate. Don't sway. The visual description that I was always given as a kid that really, really stuck with me is to address the ball, get ready to hit, and then pretend out of nowhere someone had thrown a javelin and it hit me right in the base of the neck and went exactly perfectly down my spine. And I could only rotate around that point. Now, by rotating around that point, I still am going to get a little bit of my weight moving backwards, but it's only going to be like 55 or maybe 60%. And then it's going to make it much, much easier for that weight to come forward. Now, if you're overdoing your weight transfer backwards, there's a good chance that you're swaying back, that you just kind of drift backwards. A really easy way to check on this is to either set up a video of yourself from face on, not down the target line, but right face on, and then just record yourself taking a couple swings. And what you want to do is you want to look at where your head starts and what it does throughout the swing. It becomes painfully obvious if you are swaying. Uh, one of the things that I always did is I, I would kind of prop up my cell phone in my golf bag. And that's how I used it to take video of myself. Now I have tripods and phone holders and all that jazz. So I just set up my stuff that way for my students. But if you're doing it on your own, you can either have a friend take a video of you swinging, or you can kind of prop it up, prop your phone up in your golf bag. But the idea is that you're looking at what your head does during your swing. And if your head is moving further behind the ball, imagine that you draw a line like right from between your eyes all the way down through the golf ball. And then... As you rotate backwards, if that line were to stay, does your head stay on that line or do you sway all the way behind it? If you're swaying, that is a big contributor to fat shots. We want to rotate. Pretend you've been struck with a javelin and you're rotating around that single point rather than swaying. The idea is that if you have a nice crisp turn back, you'll have a nice crisp turn through and that'll lead to nice crisp contact. So our next one, point number three here, is setup. Now, a lot of things can be influenced by setup, and you probably know that already. But I want you to think about kind of different club sets. Uh, we've got our high lofted clubs, like our wedges, maybe even our nine iron. We've got our mid lofted clubs, like our eight iron through maybe our six iron. And then we've got our lower lofted clubs that are our longer irons, our five irons, our four irons, four hybrids, things like that, fairway woods. So what we're doing with our setup is we are putting the ball in a specific spot in our stance based on these different club groupings. So with our high lofted clubs, again, pitching wedge and shorter, maybe nine iron if you feel comfortable with it, you are going to put the ball essentially perfectly in the middle of your stance between your heels. So it's not going to be any closer to one toe or the other. The ball is going to be perfectly centered in your stance. With our middle lofted clubs, we want the ball to be just a little bit towards our front foot, like maybe a golf ball or two. So again, with maybe like that seven or eight iron, maybe even your six iron, 
just a little bit towards the front foot. And that's because that club is a little bit longer. It's going to help you get a little bit more flush, solid contact. For our longer irons, again, that you know, four iron, five iron hybrids, we actually want the ball to be uh, a little bit closer than previous to our front foot. So essentially, you know, if we're playing kind of everything off of your breastbone, off of your sternum, you want that to be maybe three golf balls in front of towards your your lead toe, left toe for right-handed swingers, and then right toe for left-handed swingers. But you want it to be maybe three golf balls closer to that front toe for those longer irons. And then once you have the ball up on a tee, like with a driver, uh, well, I should say specifically with like a driver or maybe a three-wood off the tee, then maybe even one more golf ball uh, towards your front toe. And the idea here is that it, it's giving you kind of more time to square up the club and to get that, again, pure, more flush, crisp, solid contact. Our last one is one that a lot of people actually don't think about. And it's focusing on what I like to call post-impact so it's essentially like your follow through. You know, when you're taking your practice swings and you're trying to kind of nicely brush that grass, it can really pay a lot of dividends to during those practice swings pay a lot of attention to what after impact feels like in those practice swings. And the idea with post impact here is like anything that happens after you contact the ball. So if we think about what the problem is with fat shots is we hit the ground first. My father-in-law calls it hitting the big ball before you hit the little ball. But hitting the ground first is a fat shot, and then you hit the ball. So by kind of focusing, like, what would, what would perfect look like? This is how I solve a lot of my problems at work. If you could wave a wand and just fix it and have it be your way, what would it look like? So I'm asking you, what would the perfect swing feel like look like from impact on well for me i'm going to be hitting down on the ball slightly at impact so i'm going to hit the golf ball first and then i am going to take a divot then i'm going to hit the ground after the golf ball and i'm going to have a nice solid controlled follow through where i finish on my forward foot with my back toe pointed straight into the ground, my chest is at the target, if not even a little bit uh, beyond the target, tur- like essentially over rotating. If you I mean, watch the PGA Championship this weekend, when you see the pros hit their shots, their chest doesn't just face the target, it actually rotates beyond the target. So, focusing on getting to that finishing position can really go a long way to helping eliminate our heavy or our fat shots. So with that being said, again, just to kind of wrap it all up, first, the weight transfer. Try not to get too much of the weight on that back foot because if too much of that weight goes on the back foot, it's probably because of our second problem, and that's swaying instead of rotating. Third, we're looking at the position of the ball in your stance. The higher lofted clubs are more towards center. The longer the club gets in your hands, the more it works its way towards your front foot. 
And then lastly, let's think about what that finish position or what post-impact looks like. Let's kind of define what a good finish position looks like for us, and let's just focus on getting there. And a lot of times, the rest is history. So that's all we have for this week's episode. Don't forget, sign up for the Super Speed Golf PGA Championship giveaway. It goes until Sunday. If you get other people to sign up through your link, you get more entries into the contest. So that's fantastic. And again, that is at golfstrategyschool.com slash giveaway. There's a little explanation video there, and then that'll take you to the link to sign up. All right, everybody, I am off to a tournament in Iowa. I will report back with my results, and I will catch you all in the short grass. Cheers. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.